Hey, welcome to the Red Earth Podcast. I'm your host Manoj and on this show, we explore the stories of individuals who have taken the road less traveled. Our guests come from diverse backgrounds including coaches to top athletes, influencers helping others find the truth, CEOs of tech firms, students working on bold projects, people working with NGOs, to doctors really educating people in a completely new way. We have had all kinds of people as guests on our show. But what they all have in common is a drive to make a difference and the courage to walk the unconventional path. Join me as we bring you stories of the rare and the remarkable on the Rare Earth podcast. And now, let's get the show started. Hey guys, brand new year. <laughs> Wish you all a very happy new year. Hopefully you had a great start to the year 2023 and I'm really thrilled to launch the new year with a very special episode and this episode is with a special guest. His name is James Pierce. I discovered James uh, on Twitter and uh, read some of his writing and I was super thrilled and super impressed. and i wanted to get him on the show and uh, who's james james is a philosopher a writer and an entrepreneur and as you will discover as you listen to the episode he's a deep thinker when it comes to how the mind works and he really cuts the bullshit and gets to the meat of it and that is a style we have adopted in this conversation so you will get a flavor of that in a minute or two and in this episode what we cover is uh, we speak about his spiritual growth and uh, we explore themes around mindfulness self discovery personal development along the way we also discuss about the human desire for acceptance and we always feel the need for love and validation why do we feel that way the role of the ego or the importance of finding a purpose in life james also shares his insights around why we must question our beliefs and he also discusses the way he works with his clients who are really seeking him out for inner peace so this is a very deep episode with a lot of interesting things that we discuss about how the mind works and i think this is a great start to the year because it helps you with self introspection and i think it makes it for having a great year ahead okay also apart from that we have a fun rapid fire round like we have in all episodes where we get to hear interesting personal details about james so don't miss out that segment so this episode is a must listen for anyone seeking spiritual growth and personal development so i'm really excited to bring james on the show so let's get the episode started hey thanks james i think i think we've been trying to connect with each other for a while and yeah it's uh, been a while yeah yeah and uh, really uh, glad that you agreed to come on on the show this is something i was looking forward for a while now so thank you so much yeah thank you glad to be here Yeah. So, you're one of my guests who I'm really <laughs> nervous having a conversation with right now because your style is very uh, different from the conventional people that I generally interact with. Feeling anxious to be honest <laughs> to have this conversation with you <laughs> because I think you come across as somebody who does not entertain too much of small talk for the sake of small talk like why don't you ask me the question you want to ask me and let's really get started something like that right yeah i think small talk is fine it has its place since you get into the meat of the conversation i don't hold back let's talk about the real content that we want to talk about wonderful okay so just to give you a little bit about there's a shows format i typically try to get people who are doing things which are unconventional and they are a rare breed of people and the world probably needs to, to get a glimpse of them So in in that sense I may ask you a little bit about yourself and uh, your background so that uh, people listening also get an idea about who you are where are you from geographically you're located currently I'm in India so which part of the world are you located in I'm in Los Angeles All right okay so what got you started in in this line of work James what was your trigger point or, or aha moment Yeah it actually started I think I think it was sometime around 2018 Hmm and i was listening to a podcast with Nepal Ravikant as a guest on it and he just i heard some things that he said that were very counter to anything else i'd heard in my life and so i started exploring more and learned about spirituality and enlightenment and read a bunch of books from various enlightened people and it totally changed my world view was that a gradual thing or was it a a moment of understanding which which brought in a shift in the way you looked at things after that it was a bit of both it hmm. the moment i heard it was years ago so i don't remember exactly what was said that right obviously changed things for me but the moment i heard it i knew that it was 
a something different that I hadn't heard before and b something that I wanted to explore more. Hmm. And the process of exploring it obviously was gradual, but I knew in an instant that was something that I was interested in. Okay. So this is something which has been of my interest for a while in terms of exploration of how we really think about things and how the mind works. And that has been on and off in this line of work, exploring this. Uh, so I'm really fascinated to ask you a lot of questions uh, so that improve my own understanding about it and then uh, probably learn something in this process as we converse. Yeah, fire away. All right. So one of the things which keeps coming back to me again and again is this question of why do we feel the need to be accepted and loved and validated? Like, why is there such a strong feeling that we feel that people should really love us? And when, when we don't experience that, we feel incomplete. Like, you understand what, I'm, what mm -hmm. I mean by that? So why do we have this strong urge for that? The feeling of incompleteness is actually what's primary here. Mm. And the desire for love or acceptance or admiration or any of these things, it's actually just a response to that feeling of incompleteness. Okay. Because we don't feel complete within ourselves. We are looking for something external to make us feel complete. Mm. So it's, and as you logically can deduce from that, since the feeling of incompleteness comes from within, it can't be resolved from without. Mm -hmm. So that's why these chases are never ending. But we do have moments where when we feel loved by someone, like we feel, be, be it your child or be it your intimate relationships, we feel that moment of connection and we feel complete. So isn't that genuine? Isn't that like a sincere expression of feeling love? It is genuine. It is sincere, but it's not a permanent solution, right? So if, if I have some sort of deficiency within myself where I don't feel complete as a person, mm. I, I can still have some wonderful experience where maybe I have a very close bond with someone mm. and we have this peak experience together where we both feel amazing, we both feel complete, yeah. but it's still just going to be a fleeting experience. And there's nothing wrong with that. It still can be a wonderful thing. But if right. you're talking about finding that sense of completeness, you have to find it within. How does one approach in that direction? As, as I read more on this, I come to the place where it boils down to, do you really want it bad enough? Like how badly do you want to be free of that suffering, let's say. And it's a factor of that is what I come to understand. Is that understanding right? Yeah, if you're not sufficiently motivated to overcome the suffering, then you're not going to do it. That's the same with anything, right? If you're not sufficiently motivated to go to the gym every day, then you're not going to go to the gym every day. So this need for feeling complete by oneself has to be, we have to arrive to, at a point where we feel that is completely not acceptable if you don't feel complete. And that is when you will really discover what needs to be discovered. Yeah, it can be a powerful motivator. If it's really not okay with you, then you're going to find whatever the answer is. Is it possible that we may end up living our entire lives chasing these momentary happiness and then we never come to a point where we are actually exploring the in totality how to feel complete? It can happen, right? Yeah, it's not just that it can happen. That's the norm. If you look <laughs> at the people around you, that's the way everyone lives. How many people do you know that are completely at peace in and of themselves? It's like probably zero. Zero. Yeah, one or two maybe uh, through books or maybe uh, through different media that I've discovered. But yes, in reality, like it's a, you can't have any number. There's no number to that. Yeah. So in your, in your line of work, the people who really contact you, have they come to a point where they feel they really have tried many things and they don't see any solution? That is when they come to you. How does it work for you? I, I work with all sorts of people. Some of them have come to a point where they realize that there's a world full of nonsense out there when it comes to self-help and finding happiness and lasting peace and all of these sort of internal mm -hmm. pursuits. And then I also deal with people who are, are more focused on external things and their approach is more that they just want to help themselves get out of the way so that they can pursue their... So do you think that these are two different worlds when one is trying to pursue something which is worldly? They want to achieve certain goals. They want to earn a certain level of income or be, be somebody in the world and they're chasing that while there is a whole different world of 
internal exploration. So are they two independent chases or is the same thing? It depends in one's state of mind. I don't really think they're all that different. I think the people that are very successful externally have the same characteristics as the people that are very successful internally. They just have different priorities in life. Okay. You know, all, all of these pursuits, they're still subject to the laws of cause and effect. And you become successful in them when you discover which causes have the effects that you're interested in. It doesn't matter what the pursuit is, it still follows those rules. So if you're interested enough in it, and if you are perceptive enough, then you can figure it out. Could you give an example on that? If I want to be the best golfer that ever lived, mm -hmm. the, there are certain truths to discover in the game of golf, right? You learn, you know, how to hit the ball properly. And I'm not an excellent golfer, so I can't <laughs> yeah, go into yeah, too sure. much detail yeah, about it. But there are certain things that you have to learn. There are certain things you have to understand. And you learn these things by being very perceptive and devoting a lot of time to it and mm. exploring it. And it's the same thing with the mind. If I want to have a mind that doesn't react to any event, mm. then I have to figure out why the mind reacts in the first place. I have to observe the mind. I have to understand the way it works. It's just like any other endeavor. The problem is that there are so many ideas about spirituality that people have started thinking that it's about you have to learn the proper technique from the proper person. You have to learn how to meditate. Mm. You have to meditate for this amount of time every single day. And by some magic, if I meditate long enough, then my mind will become calm. And so people have shifted away from looking at things in terms of cause and effect and in terms of understanding and they've started looking at it in terms of following the correct technique. Yeah, I think yeah that that leads to the question I wanted to ask because we suddenly look up online or there are so many resources which tells you, hey, follow these ten steps or follow follow this method to really achieve whatever you want to achieve. So this leads people to really believe that if I follow these techniques, I will achieve those outcomes, and I think. It does serve a purpose in terms of probably giving them a, from a practical standpoint, what are the to-dos to really have a certain outcome, but still the success rate of blindly following that really doesn't convert to a large percentage, right? Yeah. Yeah. There is someone, I don't remember, who made some just hilarious video about how people go on and on about like their morning routines and this is how I made <laughs> yeah. a million dollars. I woke up at 4 a.m. every day and then I meditated for 12 minutes. And then I, I did had... the cold showers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's some guy made some spoof video about that. He's, yeah, I woke up at 4 a.m. every day. I did this routine. I did that routine. And then my dad gave me a million dollars. It's funny, but it points out right. what people know, which is that stuff doesn't really get you what you want. Mm. Stuff that gets you what you want. It's mm. very particular. It's not something that's generalizable. If I want to be yeah. a, if I want to be a great golfer, mm. I don't have to, I don't learn the same things that I learn if I want to be a great basketball player. Mm. They're two completely mm. different fields. Mm. But people have gone so far down the road of generalized aphorisms mm -hmm. that there seems to be this perception out there, especially on Twitter, mm that you can just learn a bunch of general principles and then those will make you successful in any specific endeavor. And that's just not the case. That's not how the world works. Mm -hmm. But that, uh, James, there is some level of truth uh, to the fact that there are some general principles which when applied, it, it does work to your favor. Yeah, it is true. If I want to get really good at driving a car, I'm not going to go read some ancient book of philosophy mm. to get started on that. I'm going to go right. learn, learn how to drive a car. Th those general principles, those philosophical truths, those are useful to people at a certain point. But until you get that to that point, they're just a distraction. Mm. Uh, because we, we may end up chasing the method rather than the desired outcome or the result. I think uh, we get fixated yeah, to the method maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. You spoke about the mind in the context of our previous question. So you were, you were speaking unless we understand or uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was how does one understand the mind seems like a interference to our life in that sense that it constantly has this dialogue going within what should be, what should not be. And there is this 
ongoing commentary which happens all the time so how does one examine one's mind or is, is it worth examining it yeah it's absolutely worth examining it it's at the center of your life it influences every single decision you make it influences the way you feel on a moment to moment basis you come to understand the mind the same way you come to understand anything else you study it you observe it you analyze it the problem is that people don't pay attention to it and then when they find out that it's a problem they go oh no what do i do you haven't been paying attention to it so of course you don't understand it so how, how does one make a beginning in that that direction if somebody has to start looking at how the mind behaves or what's the nature of mind what is the starting point it's nothing complicated it's there's no technique to it there's no method to it you just pay attention it's like krishnamurti used to use the example of if there's a snake in your room you don't mm. ask someone how do i pay attention to the snake because you realize that there's a genuine danger there so you're paying attention to it the problem is if you don't realize that there's a snake then you're mm. going to ask people how do i pay attention how do i do mm. this how do i do that mm. so you have to realize that it actually is important you have to realize the impact the mind has on your life and then you'll naturally start paying attention to it mm. so it it won't be a question of how once once you are aware there is a snake in the room then what has to happen will will happen right so it's a natural outcome of of that awareness yeah exactly like you mm. you don't have to ask me how to be aware of your room you just mm. open your eyes and look around the problem is if you don't know it's there yeah true that's interesting uh another question which we had so uh, these are few of the questions uh, james i had penned down a long back initially when we wanted to uh, have this conversation so i'm just going to put it out there so that we can explore why do we feel so strongly to protect our identity and image so when i say somebody that i i'm you know this is my profession and i run a podcast and while i build this whole branding around myself there is this image which i'm really casting out to the world and there is a certain way people look at me and there is a certain way they perceive me and i want to be congruent to that image wherever i go whatever i do and it seems like to me personally it is important for me to guard that image why do we feel the or why do i feel the strong urge to guard my image there is a certain practicality to having a good image or a good reputation so there is some logical reason for that but beyond the logic the instinctual instinctive drive that people have to defend that to protect it is because on some level you recognize that it's illusory and the only way to maintain an illusion is to actively give it energy so it, it has to be constantly built up if it's left alone completely it starts to fade okay and if it starts to fade which means the reality is that you can't guard that image forever so if it starts to fade so what is the problem why are we not letting it happen why are we so careful of protecting that because you feel like it's you mm. it's like letting go of yourself Mm-hmm. which is one of the hardest things in the world to do if it were easy everyone would be enlightened that's really interesting all right okay so we believe our identity is me like it, it whoever i'm believing to be that is me and that is who i am yes and when i don't have that identity then i am in a confusion probably who am i and that that is a territory i don't want to probably explore maybe yeah it's just complete emptiness mm. people have an instinctive fear of emptiness so they shy away from it yeah i think we are in a stage in a phase in our life right now where the idea of solitude is extremely scary that if i think i read it somewhere long ago that if a man can figure out to just be in a room by himself for for a certain period of time i think that itself will be <laughs> remarkable but we seem to be in a place where we are bombarded with distractions we have enough things going constantly to keep us entertained so the idea of solitude or just being by oneself becomes extremely rare no nobody 
uh, tries that out. And even if they try out, they, they won't be able to last maybe over five minutes. I think they feel like what's happening? What, what am I doing? I should be doing something. This urge to be in a state of action is something I think we have been programmed over the years. What, what are your thoughts about solitude? And is it an important a- aspect one must explore? Personally, I love solitude. I'm very happy whenever I'm alone. It took time to get to that place. Mm-hmm. But for the average person, solitude is scary because what happens in solitude is you are all out of distractions and you come face to face with your mind. And right. if you have an untamed mind that is running wild, that can be a scary thing. And people don't like coming face to face with their thoughts. That's why they seek distractions in the first place. They want some thing to take their attention away from themselves. This is why people become bored in the first place because a person's doing nothing and his mind instinctively starts barking at him to go do something. And you spoke about tamed mind. How how does a tamed mind look like? What what do you mean by uh, a tamed or a trained mind? What can one do with that kind of mind? When your mind is tamed, you're in a natural state of peace. So Mm. your mind isn't running around with anxiety or depression or anger or any of these various emotions that people normally experience. There's an overwhelming sense of peace. You're happy, whatever situation you're in. And your mind isn't running endlessly. You may be thinking about some things, but you can stop it at any moment because it's no longer in control of you. And that is something which is achievable yeah anyone can achieve that if they are genuinely interested in doing so but it has to be sincere it's not something that you can just go through the motions and do the meditations and then if you do it long enough and hard enough you'll end up there that's not how it works you experience this what you're speaking about james yeah that's my natural state of being and is this a state which is irreversible or is it a constant yeah it's not something you get into by setting all the conditions just right and then you happen to luck into it. It's something that you arrive at systematically and it becomes your natural way of being. It's not an altered state. It's not an altered state. Okay. So you function in the world just like anybody else, but your inner state is very different comparatively. Yeah. Okay. Tread in one of your writings, you had mentioned that Knowledge is actually part of the problem in silencing the mind. So why do you say that? What do you mean by that? Think about what your experience of knowledge is. When you say you know something, what you really mean is that you can recall this mentally, right? Mm -hmm. So you have some, for, for most people, their knowledge is really just memorization. So what it really means is there's a string of words that they have committed to memory and then they can recall it mentally at will. And So if you're walking around obsessed with your own knowledge, what you're really doing is just thinking about what you know. So it becomes just another way of occupying your mind. When you really know something, you abandon the words that Mm. go along with it. You're not tied to the original articulation in which you first heard it. So you don't hang on to it in the same way. It exists in a dormant state. And then whenever it's needed... It comes up. So we, we can access it rather than we parroting some information we have read somewhere or we had just memorized. Yeah, yeah it becomes an actual deep understanding instead of mm. just a surface level. That's interesting. So a lot of us are probably limited by this whole knowledge base which we have built up and we are restricting the true experience of some things because we have this preconceived notion about these these things around us, right? Yeah, I mean, really experience is reality. They experience reality through their mind. So Mm -hmm. they look at a tree, for example, and they don't just see the tree. They see the tree and they have all these various thoughts and associations that come up along with it. Yeah, Yeah, I remember, I think this was, I think Krishnamurti, yeah, I think one of his books where he speaks about when we look at something, we immediately go on to label it and, and we have nomenclature in mind we have all the attributes of that <laughs> completely forgetting what we are actually witnessing probably at that moment right yeah exactly mm-hmm. 
Okay. So how does one go experiencing reality as is? We suspend our beliefs about it in totality. They do interfere, James, right? Like when we're looking at, let's say we, when I'm talking to you, I have a perception about you ahead of time. You're this guy on Twitter. You write like, this is your persona. There, there is a whole layer of perception which filters me when I'm actually having this conversation with you. And obviously, as we interact, I understand more about you. But then there is this layer of filter which all of us are operating in the world. So how does one suspend that filter? Or is it necessary to suspend the filter? Sometimes they, they may be useful filters to probably operate more efficiently, maybe? Well, yeah, you don't want to just operate with zero knowledge because an easy example, if you didn't know which food was poisonous and which food was safe to eat, how would mm. you eat? How would mm. you get food safely? Yeah. It's like knowledge is necessary to operate in the world. It's an extremely useful thing and it would be foolish to dismiss it completely. The trick is that you don't want to be beholden to your knowledge. So you want to gather knowledge, you want to learn things but you don't want that to occupy your conscious attention. You want to learn it and then you want to let it go. So in the same way, when you learn things about people, like when you're learning about me to have me on your show, yeah, you want to understand what I have to say. You want to understand the topics that I write about because you want to know how to steer the conversation. Yeah. But when we're talking, you want to be focused on the conversation. You don't want to be focused on what you read. Yeah. So it, it just comes back to training your mind so that it can be performing whatever the most appropriate action is at the time. And if that's shutting up, then it's shutting up. So actually we, we are unlocking our intelligence at that very moment when we are actually opening up to understanding the present situation then rather than operating from some perceptions. Yeah. Reality is a dynamic thing, right? It's not, it doesn't exist in a static state, mm -hmm. but knowledge in your mind does exist in a static state so if you're operating purely through knowledge then you're going to be out of touch with reality correct yeah so i was i was listening to an audiobook from i think michael singer i think here i forget the name of the author but yeah i think michael singer i think so he's speaking about the art of surrendering to the reality to the truth and he was speaking about when we unsubscribe to things which are not true what is left is the truth and so one of the questions that which i had in my mind was when we have expectations around people around things that is we we expect them to have, behave with us in a certain way we expect things to turn out in a certain way and if it doesn't come out to our expectation then we experience pain or suffering so if we were to let go of the expectation and then accept things as, is that a more peaceful way to really go through life? Yeah, absolutely. I think the word expectations, I don't have a better way to express it, but there is a problem with that word because it has multiple meanings, right? Mm. If I hold a glass of water and I drop it, I expect it to fall to the earth. Mm. And that expectation is born of knowledge and it's a useful expectation because it informs me about how the world works, mm. right? It, help, it helps me make decisions because I'm utilizing the knowledge that I've gained over 25 years. The, the real problem with expectations is in the sense of the word where it means demands. If I demand that you behave in a particular way, then if you don't, I'm going to be upset. So mm. by, by having demands that I place on reality, I'm first of all, opening myself up to negative emotions, but more importantly, I'm not paying attention to reality. I'm trying to mm. dictate reality. That, that's a very interesting distinction. You said, I think the idea of how world works, we understand that through observation and then we can expect it to behave in a certain way, like how gravity functions. But yes, uh, when it comes to people and relationships and life, uh, it becomes we imposing a certain outcome, right? Yeah. So I, I am hesitant to ask this question of uh, question which leads to very uh, prescription based answers. So I, I was very tempted to ask you. So how do you think one must be in relationships? And that again, I think I get the answer though that it's not about how. It's like once you know why, then what has to happen will happen, right? 
Yeah, I mean, you develop a certain understanding of people. You understand what they want and what drives them. Then it's very easy to deal with them. And if you, on the other hand, have become very complete within yourself, if you don't need things from people, then that kind of eases the burden in all of your relationships. Hmm. And it becomes very easy to get along with people. And at the same time, you also have no problem cutting off people that you don't think you you want to associate with. Hmm. I have a question for you uh, in, in that sense that, so when you feel complete by yourself, you don't need or you don't have any expectations out of a relationship. Let's say you're dating somebody and then... The, the, you know, the person's presence or absence has no effect on you, then wouldn't that person feel incomplete because they don't feel you indicate that they mean something to you? It's not that their presence or absence has no effect on you. You still respond to your environment, right? If I'm in a cold room, I'm going to feel cold. If I'm in a hot room, I'm going to feel hot. It's not like I'm completely disconnected from the world around me. It's just that I'm satisfied. So I'm going to be happy regardless of how things turn out. But that doesn't mean I have no preferences. Okay. All right. I understand. Okay. So what you're saying is whatever the dynamics you must experience in those in, in those relationships, you will experience it, but it will not lead you to feel bad if the outcomes do not turn out to be in your favor or not. Something like that? Yeah, exactly. If I'm dating a girl and, yeah. and it's not going well, I'm not going to have any hesitation in ending things because... First of all, I know that I'm okay with whatever the outcome. And second of all, I'm not attached to the relationship. If it's a good fit, if we're both happy, then wonderful, let's keep it going. But if we don't enjoy each other's company, hmm. we'll send things. The extremely authentic way of really living life. You think if two people come and they choose to live at that level of authenticity, it will be a very, it, it is a better way to live? It, it's possible to to. to life like that? I think it's better. It's not for me to say what anyone else should do. And more importantly, you don't get to that kind of life unless you're really hell-bent on getting there. So it doesn't matter whether I say it's good or not. The people that are really taken by that idea aren't going to be swayed. Mm. And the people that need to be swayed aren't going to get there. <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. So you... Just shifting gears, you speak about truth in, in a lot of contexts once you discover the truth. And so what is the truth? Like when we speak about truth, it is for the individual, a certain truth, or there's a universal truth that we're talking about. What is the truth? A truth, truth just means that which is. It's not. There's not some secret universal truth out there that once you discover it, all things like that's just something out of a fairy tale. When people in spirituality talk about some singular truth that leads to enlightenment, what they're really talking about is no self. They're talking about the reality that the idea you have of yourself is a complete illusion. And that is something which could take a person a, a long time to discover that the idea of the self is an illusion. People never discover that. It doesn't take a lifetime to figure that out. You can figure it out very quickly. It just depends how sincere you are about figuring it out. Is the approach to exploring this, uh, is a systematic approach one anybody can do it or is it unique to each individual? The details are unique to the individual, but mm -hmm. the reality is something that everyone has in common, which is that mm -hmm. there's no self. The path to getting there is just asking yourself, Wait, I mean, Ramana Maharshi said it best, ask yourself, who am I? Hmm. But really, take a look at yourself, look at who you believe yourself to be, and examine how that belief came into existence. And then we will start discovering how did we form those beliefs about our own selves? And w w was it true or not? Maybe, I think as we ask ourselves. Yeah, that's that a general question. idea. It, it's like unweaving a tapestry. You just have to look for any loose thread you can find and start pulling. And then it opens up, right? Yeah. Mm. And then, of course, at the end, you discover the tapestry is made of threads. But Yes. Yeah. James, why does the mind focus so much on 
what we don't have if we were to as we were discussing earlier about the idea of if we were to live ourselves in a room alone for five minutes <laughs> we have this whole commentary in our head and like it mind has a tendency to make you feel inadequate it makes you feel you're not sufficient you're not good enough you're not loved enough or you don't you're not successful yet or so it it has this tendency to focus on the negative uh, which doesn't serve us at all so wh- why does the mind do that first and foremost the mind is interested in perpetuating itself hmm and the way it perpetuates itself is by thinking so what whatever subject it can focus on whatever line of reasoning it, it can take that leads to the most thinking is generally where it's going to go. And if you, just to take your example of thinking about what you don't have versus what you have, thinking about what you have is a very limited endeavor. Mm -hmm. You take stock of things and then there's not much else to do. So Mm -hmm. your mind would end up going quiet. Whereas if you think about what you don't have, there's endless room there for the mind to play. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yes. So, it has something to chew on for a long time while it discovers that the list of what you don't have, right? Yeah, exactly. Is that the default state of the mind? Like mind is designed to trigger thoughts and keep it going. Is that the default design? That's that's the way it is for most people. That's the way people start out. That's not, I wouldn't describe that as the natural state of the mind. I would just say that's the state that it is settled into like when we speak about how we as a human species evolved over the years the primitive man and his way of surviving required him to be constantly alert like in a state of alertness to survive right so he he had to anticipate a potential threat to his life he had to figure out uh, is there a lion or a tiger attacking him or how he's going to protect his family and that behavior of fight or flight still continues to operate even though we are in a place where it is much safer and we we have food to eat we have a shelter the dangers are not as much so that nature of that mind still continues you cannot undo that or unprogram it differently as such it's like how the the dna exists for human beings to behave in a certain way we continue to operate that way so how do you deprogram that You deprogram your mind by understanding why it acts the way it does. So the behavior, regardless of where the behavior comes from, whether it was evolutionary or if it was conditioned by your preschool teacher, it doesn't matter. You get rid of a behavior by understanding where it comes from and realizing that it's not effective. When you say not effective, what do you mean by that? It It doesn't give you what you want. So if you want material success and your behavior is not giving you that, then it's not effective. If you want peace and your mind is running nonstop, then that's not effective. Yeah, so it boils down to, again, understanding how our mind functions. boils down to, again, Coming to awareness of that as step one, maybe. Yeah. People like to talk about how humans are emotional. We're not rational creatures, but when you actually boil things down, when you can give yourself a very clear view of your situation and you can see whether your behavior makes sense or it doesn't, it's very easy to change. The moment it becomes clear to you that whatever you're doing is not effective, it's completely effortless to change because it makes sense. But James, I think, I don't know whether that, that is the reality because a lot of us are aware that it probably we are not working out. A lot of us are aware that we are not eating right. We are aware, we are seeing that we are not doing that. We know the outcome yeah, the, of that is our energy levels are low and we are not uh, functioning optimally. We are aware there is enough information, but still we don't act on it. Yeah, that's but that's because people don't care enough. They're not motivated enough. So it's not an absence of information that is the problem there. It's an absence of motivation. It's mm. it, the problem is that all of these things sound good, right? Who who could argue with being healthy, eating right, going to the gym? Mm. It, all of that stuff sounds fantastic. And because it sounds fantastic, people assume that they want it. And they don't question whether or not they're genuine. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's a very interesting point, James. Yeah. So we blindly 
think because the world says it is good we should also probably want it which may not necessarily be the case for that individual right yeah exactly okay okay so it ties back to what we spoke earlier that it again goes into the files of our knowledge base which is like good to know information and we added there yeah it stays on a kind of surface level when you start exploring your desires you realize that there's a tremendous difference between something that your mind finds tantalizing and something that really stirs the depths of your soul. There, there's a big difference between that shiny new car that you think would be cool to have and that vision that you have for your future that you'll do anything to achieve. There's a mm. world of difference between those things. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Oh, one of your points, I think, in the tweets you had mentioned, action is the purest form of prayer. Oh, can you explain that, please? What do you mean by that? Yeah, if you're praying for something, it's because you want that thing. The easiest way to get what you want is to take action that's going to give you what you want. If you're really sincere about praying for something, like if you're, say you're praying for money, mm. the most sincere thing you could do is figure out how to go and make money. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, a lot of us maybe in or maybe in the spiritual space, maybe the idea of wishful thinking or praying and the divine will take care of it. Is that flawed? I think the idea that you can imagine any desire you want mm -hmm. and that some law of attraction is going to fulfill that, I think that's entirely flawed. Mm -hmm. But I think there is some truth in the fact that when you are dead set on achieving something, mm. the world molds itself around you to help you achieve that. I think most people have probably had the experience where they suddenly become really serious about learning something, whatever that thing may be. Mm. And within days, they find the best book on the subject, the yeah. best <laughs> speaker on the subject, whatever it may be. They, they find some incredible information source that's right. Yeah. That they never would have found before. Absolutely true. Yes, I think that's been my experience too. When I have got fascinated to learn something and then I suddenly start noticing more of it and or there are more resources coming my way, offering me more data points on that. Yes, or people mm -hmm. come into our lives. Yeah. I had so many experiences when I was really, like really going deep into spirituality, reading about enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And I was in the middle of 20 books at a time oh. and I would put one book down and I would, maybe I wouldn't touch it for six months. Yeah. And then one day comes along and for some inexplicable reason, I feel like picking this book back up. And mm -hmm. so I opened the book up and on the very next page after I stopped, there's the exact insight that I was looking for at that moment <laughs> that six months ago I wasn't ready for. Right. I had so many experiences like that, mm -hmm. that it's just it would be impossible to say that it was pure coincidence. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. So the, the point is we're talking about, it's not the idea of the wishful thinking, which is working in play, but this, you acted on it and then you. It has to be something that mm. comes from a very deep place. It's mm. not something that you can just, you can't have some whim of the mind like, Oh, I want a Ferrari. So I'm just going to think about Ferraris and then one's going to show up in my driveway. That's not right. how it works. No, no serious person thinks that way. That's interesting. Yes. And I would, I would like to understand what keeps you excited these days. What keeps you going? What do you look forward to doing in life? Look forward to anything. I think looking forward <laughs> is a trap. Because uh, no. if you're looking forward, what you're essentially saying is that there's some moment out there in the future that's better than this moment here and that's just not true but james let me ask you this question so now that you have exposed yourself to so much of information in in this direction and in your exploration in your own ways don't you think you may operating from a place of the knowledge that you gained and it may not be something you are experiencing in reality let's say when I say, what do you look forward to? You say your immediate answer was that's a trap or something like that. But do you think that was your natural response or 
Is it something that you have read and it I, just... It's my, I know it's my natural response because the response reflects my behavior. It'd be a totally different thing, right, if I was constantly looking forward to things, but because I read that, oh, well, a wise, enlightened person would never look forward to anything, then I developed this idea that I should look forward to things. And so I say that would be a totally different situation. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing is looking at my own experience and answering genuinely from what my own experience is. Hmm. No, I trust you. I, I'm just uh, playing the devil's advocate here. So I'll no, I, I understand. But it's yeah. a valid question. And I think it's one that probably a lot of people have mm-hmm. about themselves. So I think mm-hmm. it's worth answering. Yeah. All right. And uh, okay, I think I, I want to shift gears now and get to know a little little bit of you from a little more fun side. So are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Lay it on me. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, okay. The first question. So what's something new happening in your life right now? Something new? I honestly can't think of anything. I have a very comfortable, <laughs> boring life that I love. <laughs> okay. So are you learning anything new or are you exploring anything which is completely in a new space or something like that? You know, I've been reading some books on yoga lately, some like various like mm-hmm. pranayama stuff um, and it's i think i find it interesting i haven't fully you know okay. explored the space yet so i can't really comment on you know that's techniques fair. or anything like that <laughs> that's fair have you come to india by any chance i have not i do yeah, want to go someday all right i'd love to host you if you're coming to bangalore i live in bangalore okay good to know yeah i might take you up on that <laughs> sure Let's do that. And second question. So what is the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them? The honest answer is that it depends on the person. People are so unique that each person is going to have a different thing that stands out about them. So with one person, it might be their personality. With another person, it might be their physique. With another person, it might be their style or their facial structure. It could be any number of things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... It's Generally, you notice things based on contrast, right? So if you meet someone who has a very different personality from the people you normally interact with, you're going to notice mm-hmm. their personality first. Whereas mm-hmm. if you spend your time with people that are all five foot five, 120 pounds, and you meet some six foot bodybuilder, you're going to notice their physique. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, next question. Do you have a favorite show that you binge watched? I'm a big fan of Frasier. I think that show is underrated. Mm-hmm. There's some incredibly witty jokes in there that I really appreciate. How do you spell that show? I'm not aware of that. Which one? It's F-R-A-S-I-E-R. Oh, okay. So what kind of show is that? It's like a comedy? It's just or... a sitcom. Okay. Okay. All right. And have you ever fallen for a scam? If so, what was it? For a scam? Not that I can think of. I, don't, I never supported any Nigerian princes. <laughs> All right, student fault for the Nigerian princes. All right. You did get, receive those emails and messages? I, I've received stuff over the years. I can't even remember what I've received. I've, you get a text or an email here and there and you just right. know that it's a scam. That's true. Yeah, I'll be able to receive hope, it. Here. Hopefully it's a scam. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, have you ever left a one-star rating on something? What did you review and why did you rate it that way? No, I don't really leave reviews. I think it's generally a waste of time. Do you think it'll help in improving the service of product? There have been some places that I go that I really enjoy. And Mm. they ask me to leave a review and I say, yeah, I'll do it. And then I think (laughs) about the process of actually going in. I'm not a big fan of Yelp. I get annoyed using that site. So I don't have an account. And then I got to make an account to leave a review. And so I just end up never doing it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Next question. What do you do to unwind after a long day of work? Or what's your typical day, by the way? I never got to ask you that. Yeah, the kind of tongue-in-cheek answer is that I never unwind because I don't get wound in the first place. I love that answer. My, my, tip, my typical day is incredibly relaxed. I'll wake up whenever I wake up. I don't use an alarm. Mm. I'll maybe do a little bit of yoga, something mm. to keep my body fresh, or I'll work out and then... I'll go for a walk, get some coffee. At mm. some point, I'll go get some lunch. It's a very relaxed day. And uh, James, do you have siblings? Or are you the only son? Yeah, I have two brothers. Okay, and all you guys live together or you, you live an independent life? Or no, so? I live off on my own. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And how is it to live all by yourself? That's nice. I'm pretty happy by myself. So it's good company. That's an interesting answer. Yeah, I think uh, a, a lot of people won't be able to give that answer. I'm enjoying my own company. No, I think it's a wonderful thing to strive for in life to enjoy your own company i agree yeah yeah i think then you're sorted i think if uh, one one can be happy with their own self then they can be happy with anybody else so yeah and then you're not driven to bad relationships just because you don't want to be alone and or yeah. any of that terrible mm. stuff that people end up doing true uh what is something that you have done in your life that no one would expect i did throw the first pitch out at a baseball game once that was a fun <laughs> memory how old were you then? Maybe around 12. Interesting, interesting. How old are you now, James? 25. 25. Yeah, very interesting for your age to to explore something in the space. And it doesn't mean one shouldn't. It's not common. That's what I mean. So. No, it's not common. I, and I've heard the, I think, I can't remember who said it, maybe Socrates, that people shouldn't study philosophy until they're at least 30. And I think that's nonsense. I'm, if you're interested in something, pursue it. Like what more could you want out of life than to explore something that interests you? Absolutely. Yes. I understand. Yeah. I think, but uh, maybe the thought being when the youth, like once youth, when they have the best of energy, best of focus, they think somebody exploring philosophy may make them <laughs> maybe lazy and they just have this idea of like philosophizing about life while they give wisdom to others and they don't do anything productive. Or yeah, or I, am, like I, I understand those are the productive years, especially back then. And you want to make the most of them. But at the same time, like any, anyone that's going to be great at something is going to have a drive to do that thing. Mm -hmm. So I right. think if you're driven to study philosophy, then you just go all in. Like why, why, why would a free person shy away from doing something that really interests them that, that mm. they're really passionate about mm. it just doesn't make sense i don't think that's any way to live true what is a trend that you just don't understand or comprehend a trend i don't really pay attention to trends to be honest with you i'm not, not up on pop culture or anything like that i kind of yeah, I like, stay away from all that stuff. James is doing some interesting dance moves on TikTok or something like that. So, yeah, if you ever see that, shoot me. <laughs> you never know, James. Like in the times ahead, like you may have to <laughs> explore. We'll see you. We'll see you churning out some interesting rap numbers with some wisdom in there. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> not likely, but we'll see. What is the best compliment that you have ever received? I think the best compliment is someone that you really respect complimenting mm. the thing you care about most mm. so mm. for me is people that i find very insightful telling me they think i'm insightful so you want to name names or any specific no i don't want to i don't want to name names i've been complimented by people that i have a tremendous amount of respect for but i don't want to right right sure. name drop or brag or anything like that that's interesting yeah i think when we get acknowledged from people we look up to it's a very different uh, yeah yeah you feel very different i agree uh, yeah, it's different when you don't care as much about your ego, right? So it's it goes from being like some amazing validating experience to just this person has a brain and I respect their judgment and they're telling me they agree with me. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I think the subtle difference of one validating one's sense of self by someone complimenting and the other one that they understand how you think about things, right? So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's fair. What was the first thing you bought with your own money? And then when you started owning? The first thing I bought with my own money. This was probably when I was 15 years old, I want to say, maybe even younger. I bought a pull up bar. Oh, really? So how did you earn that money? Was that your pocket money or was it? You I, don't, I don't even remember. Maybe it was like a gift card for a birthday or something. Uh, I don't remember how I came across it, but I got it into my head that I wanted a pull-up bar. So I got one. Interesting. I had it for 10 years. Ah, nice. So you were fascinated with fitness early on in your life, right? Yeah, I was definitely interested in it. I, I mm. still am. Mm. Okay. What's your typical workout? Do you do something which is like bodyweight training or what do you do? 
Yeah, lately I've just been doing bodyweight training. I, I took a long break from working out. I'm just getting back into it. But mm. Bar is a great investment. I totally agree. I have one in my house and I think nothing beats, even though it's such a subtle thing, but it really serves a lot of interesting exercises with that, with just dead hangs to pull-ups to variations with it. Yeah, pull-ups are great exercise and they're a great indicator of whether or not you're in decent shape. If you can't do one pull-up, I think there's a problem. <laughs> you have offended half my audience now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the other half is inspired. When was the last time you were nervous? Nervous? Hmm. I don't get nervous anymore. That's been years. So you, you don't, if you were to meet somebody very famous or very important uh, what's your state of mind are, are you not feeling do you feel anxiousness or any kind of this normal sensation we feel not they're just people they've done different they've done certain things that have landed them in the public eye but they're still just people that's interesting man think, think about a famous actor they're just famous because the thing they do for a living is very public mm -hmm. are they any different from a successful investor in terms mm. of their personal charisma or magnitude, maybe they are depending on the person, but it's not because of what they did. It's not because they're famous. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, true. I think as soon as we start seeing that way, maybe it takes some charge out of that perception we have of, about people, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What is something uh, that strangers often incorrectly assume about you? It's a good question. Hmm. I feel like maybe I come across as a bit of a hippie because I have long hair and I like to walk barefoot. <laughs> you you walk barefoot? Okay. Yeah, I like I like walking barefoot. Feels natural. Interesting. Okay. It's okay. good for yeah. your feet. Totally. Yeah. And then okay, you got long hair. Yeah, that that I did notice. Yeah. So people think you're a hippie. Hmm. You yeah. you definitely you definitely must you know complete that uh, with uh, with a visit to India. Then they'll say definitely he's a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the crowning touch. Yes, let him just put the cherry on top, and it completes that uh, conclusion they were waiting for. Yeah, totally. Interesting. Okay, what is the most thoughtful present you have ever received? Are you asking me to dig into the memory banks of these questions? <laughs> I honestly don't remember, and I hope I'm not offending someone that gave me a really thoughtful <laughs> gift, but I, I just honestly don't remember. Oh God. Okay. That's cool. That, that, that's cool. And uh, we come to the last question in the rapid fire. What is the unpopular opinion you hold? I, I think opinions are generally a waste of time. The same with beliefs. It's like tricking yourself into thinking something you don't. And when, once you see that, you can't unsee it. Right. So I, I generally think in terms of why. Man, you give such insightful answers to these questions, even though sometimes I have crafted them to keep it a little silly. This answer was very interesting. I think, yeah, I, I really appreciate that, that, that answer though. Thank you. Yeah. I think we've come almost an hour into the conversation and I want to be respectful of your time, but is there anything that you would like to convey to my audience or anything that you want to share? I don't have any message to get out if, if people that are listening or interested in hearing more of my stuff or reading some of my stuff online, I have a website, which is james-pierce.com, or they can find me at Twitter at uh, J-I-M-M-P-I-E-R-C-E. Wonderful. Yeah. I think I'll make sure that I add those links on the show notes. People will be able to get a visibility of what you do. And uh, James, this has been a delight. I totally enjoyed our conversation and I, I will definitely like to do a round two sometime in future. And yeah, we absolutely. probably... Yeah, we probably will go a little deeper on, on some of the topics that we didn't touch today. But this is fantastic. I think the world needs to really hear your story and your uh, thoughts about things. I think people should not dumb down the way they put out their message. So you have kept it intact that way. You haven't tried making it adaptable for the masses. It is meant for somebody who's really seeking the truth. It is meant for people who really are serious about investigating their own life. So I think you definitely are bringing some light in that space. So really appreciate that. man. Yeah, I think when you dumb down your message, you're really depriving the people that are going to get the most out of it in an attempt to bring it up to a level where everyone can listen. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, James, uh, for joining the show. I'm going to make sure that people get access to uh, all the resources that you mentioned and also links to your Twitter handle and uh, to your website. And I hope we will again catch up on round two. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, James. 
I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check my website www.rareerth.com for show notes on the episode. If you want to stay up to date on all things rare earth, be sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter. Just head to my website, key in your email address and you'll start receiving exclusive contents, updates and much much more on a weekly basis. Thank you again for listening and until next time, stay curious and keep discovering the rare and the remarkable on the Rare Earth podcast.